Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we're speaking with Barty Rye. Barty, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for the I, conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, Barty. I mean, Barty has an incredible background, over 25 years in life sciences, management consulting, really driving digital transformation, data transformation. Uh, we're going to talk to her about all of the things that she's been working on. She's been part of incredible operations such as Novartis and, and Bayer, or if I'm German buyer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Deloitte. And we're going to talk about her experiences, some of the things that she's learned along the way. Perhaps she will provide some insights for us about all of these things. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about this path you've been on, Barty. Yes, absolutely. So um, I think like most things, uh, I don't know if I chose the path or the path chose me. Uh, so I, I knew when I came here to do my master's, I went to Carnegie Mellon, great, great school. Um, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And one path was going into public finance. So I studied public policy. I loved government and public sector and development. And so I knew I wanted to do that. Um, but I ended up, you know, once you, if you don't know what you want to do, you join consulting because you get mm-hmm. to do so many different things you work with different clients, different problem sets. And I think I realized the skills that I picked up in consulting have have carried me through to now. Um, So that's really what I did in consulting. And then I decided to join healthcare because I really, really liked sort of the patient impact and the fact that it's such a complex industry and different pieces and elements. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I did last 15 years, various roles in life sciences and and you can see none of them connect to the previous role. So that's quite a story we can talk about as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I think the beauty of consulting is that you pick up these tools and processes and ways of approaching problems. And so that is always helpful in any role that you end up taking on. And certainly you've worked in some incredible positions in the healthcare and life sciences space. I mean, tell me a little bit about some of the stuff you're seeing in the life sciences marketplace today as they're trying to go deeper with data, go deeper with digital. Yeah, so I think we are seeing a lot of exciting trends and I'll you know bring it back to at the end of the day, the healthcare ecosystem and the experience for patients. Like that's the North Star, right? That the industry should be after. I think COVID has accelerated many of these trends. So what I'm seeing is two or three major shifts. Um, First, it's data and digital is is on the C-suite agenda, right? They're not, I mean, they were always analytics teams that existed in pharma for years. You know, we always bought tons of data. This has been going on for 20 years. So data analytics, digital is not new. What's new is it's on the C-suite agenda. So that right. brings a lot of attention. Um, you know, it brings budget, right? And accountability, scope, authority to do things. Um, but it also brings challenges because 
the entire company or industry is still operating a certain way, right? The go-to-market model, how right. you sell, how you think of um, campaigns and marketing. It's, it's all very um, sort of traditional and hasn't evolved all that much as technology has evolved. So really technology has outpaced. Uh, There's also the whole compliance piece there, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a big yeah. challenge. I can tell you that I was one of the early pioneers of social media data. Mm -hmm. And I had several pharma clients and I remember one client basically receiving a report that we gave and she said, I'm going to act like I never received this report <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, there were all these rules, like certain data you don't want to necessarily, yeah. <laughs> you know, know about. Right. Yeah. But I think that, you know, you can use that as an opportunity. I know that compliance is brought up very often in pharma. But I do think, I mean, my view is always like, whatever the problem, there's a solution, right? right. So I think if there are um, areas or boundaries that you can sort of still live with within, mm. but continue to innovate, you know, that's where you get progress. Otherwise, they, there will always be an excuse. Yes. I mean, you can't do anything about the compliance because I agree with the fact that patient data should be highly confidential, right? It Correct. should not be. So I agree with the reasons why the compliance has been put in place. Now, the question is, how can you run a business and continue to innovate on data and digital as a result? And this is why I love the industry because it's a challenging problem set. Yeah. And I think it really feels like we're at this moment where we're seeing a, a whole bunch of stuff collide all at once which are opening up tons and tons of new things. What are you seeing out there in terms of the healthcare space, the med tech space that excites you? So a couple of things. So first, I think, as I mentioned, you know, data digital, finally, they are on the C-suite agenda. Mm -hmm. Second, I think there's a lot of scope for partnerships across the ecosystem. And a lot of digital health um, companies, as you know, are coming and going and, you know, funding boom, and some are saying it's going to be a bust soon. Yeah. Um, but it's still very, very innovative. And there are tons of people out there trying to disrupt our model, which severely needs to be disrupted. Right. So I think the scope for pharma, biotech, you know, other life science companies to partner across the ecosystem, where they can either provide more information easily to patients, where they can help them stay on medication, um, help them with services around the medication, right. and truly look at what we say is experience, right? Because the one thing I think pharma has done and now trying to change is our approach with customers and patients is very transactional. It's mm. campaign, it's medical, it's sales talking to them, it's account management talking to them. They even call into our call center and none of this talks to each other to form an experience for a customer. So that's the other trend that I'm, I'm seeing slowly, though, is we're using all these buzzwords around CX and all of that. But really, you have to change internal processes, organizational silos, mindset, funding, incentives. 
for us to truly take it What's the barrier? I mean, you're outlining something that really appeals to me, you know, this idea of like this holistic perspective, right? So you're saying we have these silos that they exist. We know they exist. Is it literally just the bureaucratic issues here or are there real reasons why they have to be kept as silos? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a mix of both, right? So if you just look at commercial, medical and patient services, Mm-hmm. There's a reason why there are different departments and mm-hmm. you, you mentioned compliance. Yeah. So, you know, the, the way we are engaging with customers from a commercial angle is different from a medical angle. Mm-hmm. And certainly then with patients, there is a real firewall between the support we provide patients from patient support services uh, type mm-hmm. departments, which is after the prescription is written to the early part in commercial where we're just trying to build awareness. So there is a legitimate reason why these groups are separate, but that doesn't mean you cannot be customer centric, right? So I think the other barrier is, I would say mindset, um, Mm. because, you know, people are used to running these as separate groups. And so what is CX, right? Does it, is it another department that cuts across? Is it really the, just the role of marketing then to cut across all of these and look at it from a customer's angle? So I think it's it's inertia, it's mindset, and it's a lot. It's some tough calls, right? In yeah. To change. Yeah, and I think you mentioned a couple things though that are promising, which is that this is now on the C-suite's agenda. I often thought about this kind of pandemic moment and in relation to the C-suite agenda in an interesting fashion, which was anybody who's ever sat in a boardroom meeting, there's always the one person on the board that says no to everything. And I felt that over the last couple of years with the pandemic, because things were so stressed across the board, that one no person finally was silenced. (laughs) Everyone finally was like, okay, we're going to do something this time. And that's exciting. I'd be curious, you know, Barty, you have a front row seat at the top of these businesses. You know, what did you see during the last couple of years, uh, the challenges and maybe some of the good stuff that's starting to bubble out of it? Yeah. So I think, you know, with the good news that it's on the sort of the top agenda, right? Mm-hmm. also bring some challenges as well as opportunities. I think from a challenges perspective, because it's, it's top agenda, mm-hmm. one thing that happens is everybody wants to get into data and digital now, right? Mm-hmm. So you have multiple teams and the bigger the company, the bigger the silos, right? You have global, you have local, you have multiple departments all trying to talk to the same vendors the same digital um, ecosystem. Um, So the the tendency to have a lot of redundant capabilities that don't talk to each other and then you can't scale, that's Mm -hmm. sort of one issue. Um, The other is talent, right? So, okay, you've decided data and digital is important. How do you organize? Who is going to decide what talent to bring in? Because traditional roles are not even well-versed to know whether the talent they're bringing in is the right talent. Mm. Or they're saying the right things, but they don't know actually how to implement or affect scale, right? So, and then how, how much, right? Talent management, when you attract some of this talent, how do you retain them? So I think the opportunity has been, we've done a great job in attracting actually our hiring and trying to get the right talent. The opportunity is how do you create the conditions where this talent is nimble, agile, 
they are used to quick decision making they are used to state of the art technology on which they can work and mm-hmm. those things are not there right they it will take time um so i think those are some of the issues the other real issue if you ask me what what is really going to come in our way mm-hmm. is a very practical resource allocation question okay um uh, right so if you have um $1000 where are you going to invest it in the company knowing data and digital is important um how will you make those decisions and depending on how mature the organization is right if the foundation is not there mm-hmm. implementing the right tech takes time and is costly yeah right? but in the meantime you want quick wins and results you you don't want to wait for 3 years before you have the best data platform and the best martech stack before you start seeing you know <laughs> uh results um and then the other very real thing related to resource allocation is wh- how do you kind of balance short term performance mm-hmm. with pivoting where the company needs to go long term because you have such an interesting challenge it seems like we always get caught between this short term pressure that the c suite feels from the street and the longer term cycles that some of this stuff works on yeah. and so you know when you look at the data that's actually getting utilized and people talk about you know data driven insights data driven business yeah what is the data that's driving the business you know i mean are people doing it oh yeah absolutely so pharma life sciences i think we've come such a long way mm-hmm. in truly using data to drive decision making and you know my experience in the last few years um it's been an amazing amazing personally fulfilling journey mm-hmm. if you see these things right what is the data it's really we we have an abundance of data available to life sciences and we are so lucky in the us that we can actually know at the patient level exactly what the journey has been without mm-hmm. knowing who the patient is right obviously that's right. Uh, hipaa compliant but you can piece together how complex the journey is how long it takes patients sometimes to even get the proper diagnosis and they've been bouncing from doctor to doctor to test to hospital back to specialist so you can yeah. see how complicated the journey is um so we have no dearth of data um the question is what is the right set of teams both on the data digital side as well as pure sales marketing market access both need to be data savvy right mm-hmm. you need to know what the right questions to ask are it's not it's a team sport it's not a yeah. data digital analytics sport right just to upskill yourself and suddenly the company will be based on data driven insights no it's a big right. big company wide um uh problem to solve yeah i mean i was listening cuz i was thinking that that is the biggest factor which is to say if every decision making process starts to factor in this data cycle this data that's available and it being utilized in a specific way before certain decisions can be taken then obviously it starts to become the lifeblood of the organization and perhaps it can touch all the departments no and we have to model the way right um because it it really does start from the top mm-hmm. so if the top is aligned that we will be making sort decisions based on data whether it's market resource allocation decisions whether it's you know who we target whether it's funding or um marketing campaigns right whatever the decisions are if the top is modeling the fact that we are going to look at this what is show me the data 
-hmm. it will start to trickle down in the entire organization and then you know it snowballs right and it just flows from there so Barty, I mean, it's amazing to talk to you about this stuff. And clearly this is changing everything and moving the industry forward. Are there specific areas that you're seeing kind of more excitement or more growth in than others? Is there some interesting stuff perhaps happening in the use of machine learning that's being applied in an exciting area? Yeah. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of progress in the whole um, advanced analytics, machine learning, AI space. Mm-hmm. Now, with great power comes great responsibility. So we have to make sure we're, we're utilizing it in the right places and we are yeah. answering the right questions that need to be answered, right? Otherwise, right. It's, it's a fad. Yeah. Um, so I think huge progress there, both on the R&D side as well as commercial. Probably more on the R&D, I would say. Commercial, I think, is still is still getting there. Um, the other thing is a lot of partnerships mm-hmm. with the whole digital health ecosystem, which is really exciting. And when you can apply that to patient experience, truly, and simplifying that, it's very exciting. Um, and then I think the real opportunity, honestly, will come if we can partner more uh, in within the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You have the providers, you have the payers, you have pharma, you have, you know, other players, I think broader partnerships um, to impact and think beyond, think holistically about the disease state right. versus the product you're selling, right. where I'd love for us to go. Uh, and then everything has to follow to make that happen, right? Because it's yeah. great to have an idea and a bold vision, but you've got to change things internally within companies to make it happen. Yeah. And I love listening to you speak about the space because you have a very clear vision of where we are and where there is area for continued improvement. I guess I'm curious as we find ourselves in this futuristic year of 2022, you know, what you think might be on the horizon uh, this year for the life science space in terms of data and digital growth? Are there going to be some topics, some some exciting things that we're going to see in the near future? Or is this still just going to be kind of like the, just a continued acceleration of the path we're on? No, I think where we've seen, again, I think almost everybody has got a solid foundation in data, digital analytics in most companies mm-hmm. across life sciences. Now they're at slightly different stages of maturity. Where I think we'll we'll see the industry starting to hopefully have a point of view is how do you really make this happen actionably at scale across the whole company? Um, and then, you know, the other thing that I, I think we, we are starting to hear a lot about in life sciences is CX, mm. right? Everybody wants to be a customer-centric business. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? And what does it look like if healthcare is a customer-centric business in very specific, tangible ways? And so personalization is one thing that I I hear a lot of pharma companies talking about, right? We want to talk to customers in more personalized ways, really change engagement. So that's a big topic that I think almost everybody is working on. The question is, where's the proof? Um, What does it actually look like? And also, let's not be too... Uh, impatient, right? Waiting for the yeah. proof because having having led analytics myself, you're not going to solve all of this through an ROI marketing mix uh, review annually, right? 
some of these things take time yeah. and um and we know when a business is customer centric the, the sales the growth follows right but for pharma it's it, i think some patience uh, is required the other thing i would say is that a lot of companies had have, have gone through this hype cycle of investing in data and digital then mm-hmm. few years then saying okay what what are the results you know mm-hmm. is this been good should i downsize should i continue to invest so kind of questioning the investment and what i'd say to that is it's an absolutely correct question right. because there is a tendency for companies to overinvest and you just go all all in all big and then you realize that maybe i wasn't thoughtful about the roles i created the amount of people i added the um uh, systems i invested in right maybe i need to reinvest because i didn't pick the right technologies mm-hmm. um so i think uh companies should be a bit careful about the areas in which they're investing when they say they care about data and digital um yeah. and then keep looking for sort of these or at least milestones that have these quick wins along the way uh, as you're changing the entire foundation and then ultimately hopefully you're changing the go to market model otherwise yeah. if we're doing things the same old way but we're just putting technology in place that's not really digital transformation yeah no i hear what you're saying and it seems to me that there are a lot of the right areas being explored yeah. but perhaps we need to go be a little bit more thoughtful then about how we apply it and dig deeper in some of these areas i mean it sounds like the cx space is the right area to be playing in but perhaps we need to think through where we might end up what we really want to be achieving how this actually might impact the full operation is that what i'm hearing that's that's absolutely right and yeah. i i think now that now that you articulated i think one of the things uh, and a and a trend right we need to figure out is until life sciences healthcare sees data and digital as it tech topics mhm and they have a separate set of leaders driving that mm-hmm. versus the business is run by the traditional leaders mm-hmm. the, these two things will not be so interconnected right so right. the problem that i hear from cuz i've i've spoken to a lot of peers in other companies as well right the problem i hear is we in, we are behind it we invest in it we've got a good foundation going but why are we not seeing results from digital transformation right I think part of the problem is it's not about the technology and the foundations and all of that it is how are you pulling in digital into your core way of doing business I agree that's a and, wonderful point I uh couldn't uh, agree more with you I mean yeah. I have uh, done some personal research uh, in the machine learning space and one of the complaints in the research that I analyzed was that people always would say that exactly that about machine learning well we've invested all this but I'm not seeing the results yeah and what you quickly realized is that whilst they made an investment in the technology they made no investment on the processes or the shift in operations that would be needed to apply the technology and so i think that that is the dilemma with all of these progressive ideas and areas because if you don't make that investment in the processes and the operations it's a shiny object but that's it you know that's that it. doesn't do anything right and- 
And, you know, I've, because a lot of, it also goes into the, the talent, right? So a lot of mm. people ask me, are you a data digital leader? And I say, no, I mean, you can see my background. I have no technology or data, honestly, in my background. I say, I'm a public policy major, right? So at Carnegie I, Mellon, come yeah, on, well, come on, Barty. <laughs> where I was supposed to be one tech force, right? But uh, I, so I say I'm a strategy and commercial leader, right? Okay. Who happens to be data and digital lingual. Ah. I get data and digital. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a lot of that because I think in companies, people still think of, are you a data digital person? Mm-hmm. Are you a sales and marketing leader? Right. Well, the two need to be together now, yeah. right? If you no, are you're absolutely right. the next type of commercial leader, um, you, you need bilingual talent. Well, Barty, it's been amazing talking to you. I hope everyone listens to the ideas that you're pushing here because this is really where we need to be moving the broader space. We've been speaking with Barty Rye. She's been sharing some of her learnings from 25 years in the life sciences space and what she's been working on as a digital transformation expert, a data expert, and trying to make these pharma companies embrace some of these ideas and move them to the next level. Barty, if someone wanted to reach you, where can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Feel free to send me a message and, uh, uh, you know, it'd be great. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on Uncaged Day. and We look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. Cheers. 